Bible and the Bishop. Hello, my name is Farron Glenfield. I'm the Church of Ireland Bishop of Kilmore, Elfin and Arda. And I've been reading the Bible since my teenage years, a half century ago. Since then, I've studied the Bible as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a student at the university and as a Christian pastor. I believe the Bible is God's word written. So in this series of the Bible and the Bishop, I would like us to consider the book of Psalms, which is found in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. In the series on the Psalms, we come to Psalm 23, which is probably the best known of the Psalms, with its universal theme of trust in God. Psalm 23 was popularised in the hymn, The Lord's My Shepherd, the lyrics of which came out of the Reformation movement to produce metrical or singable versions of the Psalms. The lyrics which follow the authorised version text very closely were produced in the Scottish Psalter in the 17th century. The tune, Crimond, also has Scottish roots and was first heard in the late 19th century. We often associate the hymn, The Lord's My Shepherd, with funerals, sad occasions. Ironically, it came to fore in a joyful occasion, a royal wedding in 1947 of the then Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip, and has retained its popularity to the present day. If you look at the heading over the psalm, it is another psalm of David. David was uniquely qualified to write this psalm. In boyhood, he was a shepherd by trade. And in adulthood, he became the shepherd of God's people, Israel's king. Not unexpectedly, Psalm 23 is often called the shepherd psalm. Before reading you the psalm, and then explaining it together, I need to say something about the Hebrew poetry, which will hopefully enhance our understanding of this memorable psalm. Unlike much of English poetry, Hebrew poetry does not rhyme sounds, but rhymes ideas. It puts two or three lines together that somehow match each other. This technique is called parallelism and is very common in the Psalms, including Psalm 23. We need to keep our eyes open in this Psalm for the second line of a verse building on the thought of the first line. Imagery. Like poetry in English, Hebrew poetry frequently uses images, word pictures or metaphors. Imagery makes it possible to see and to say new things, especially in making statements about God. In Psalm 23, the chief image of God is that of shepherd. But it's not the only word picture described in the 23rd Psalm. The last thing I want to say about the Hebrew poetry, which throws light on the Psalms, is its structure or form. That is the structure or form the poetry takes. It's laid out in a particular way. We will talk more about these three elements of parallelism, of imagery, of form in Hebrew poetry when we come to the text itself. So without further ado, I will read the 
23rd Psalm, according to the authorised version, published in 1611, the King James Version of the Bible. You may want either to listen or to follow the text in your own Bible. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a song of trust or confidence in God, expressed by an individual but used in communal worship. It is intensely personal. If you have a Bible before you, count the number of times David uses the pronouns I, my, me. He writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. By my reckoning, the pronoun I occurs four times, me appears five times, and my is used six times in the psalm. Does that tally with your totals? In spite of the intensely personal and intimate language used, Psalm 23 is not necessarily about David. It is more about God. He is the subject and the object of this song of trust. We see this in a number of ways. For example, the psalm begins and ends with God. The opening words in verse 1, the Lord is. And the closing line in verse 6, the Lord's house. In the Hebrew text, God is first and last. Yahweh, the personal name of God, is the opening word. And likewise, the final word of the psalm in Hebrew is Yahweh. God is also the chief actor in this psalm. Look at the number of verbs, doing words, which describe God's activity in the psalm. In verse 1, he makes me to lie down. 2, he leads me beside still waters. In verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths. In verse 4, you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. And in verse 5, you prepare a table you anoint my head. This psalm is about God, the subject and the object of David's trust. Having established that Psalm 23 is about God, how does David describe him? He uses three images. The most obvious is shepherd in verses 1 to 3, which blends into guide in verse 4. And then closes with host in verses 5 and 6. Part of the charm 
of Psalm 23, Alec Matir suggests, is the blended contrasting imagery of God as shepherd, guide and host. God's constant and continual presence is the thread that runs through these three images. God is to be trusted because of who he is. Scholars have focused on the form and structure of David's poem, Psalm 23. Set this idea of the dependability of God at the very heart of the psalm. Creighton Marlowe, an American scholar, argues that because God is utterly trustworthy, the believer should have no need to fear. Or in David's words, in verse 4b, the second part, I will fear no evil. This stands at the core of this psalm. The structure is built around this affirmation. Everything said about God in verses 1 to the beginning of verse 4 point to David's affirmation. I will fear no evil, all because God is with me. And everything said about God in verses 5 and 6 flow from the conviction that God is present with David. Now let's turn to the text itself to flesh out these ideas. First, in verses 1 to 3, we have David's confession. The Lord's my shepherd. A shepherd in the ancient world and in the contemporary world looks after sheep. He cares for them. What does he do? He feeds them by grassy meadows, green pastures in verse 2. He waters them beside restful, still waters in verse 2. He leads them. He goes ahead of them on right paths, verse 3. He protects them. The overspill of the shepherd imagery in verse 4. His rod or club and staff keep the sheep safe from all predators. The image of God as shepherd recurs again and again in the Bible. It goes back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 49, for example, with Jacob, one of the founding patriarchs of Israel, blessing his 12 sons before his death. And he refers to God as the shepherd. Psalm 80 begins with these opening lines. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. In the prophetic book of Ezekiel, God criticizes the so-called shepherds of Israel, its kings and leaders, because of their lack of care for his people, his sheep. And so God himself will intervene as shepherd. I myself, declares God, will be the shepherd of my people. I will make them to lie down. Ezekiel 34, verse 15, which echoes the word picture in this Psalm 23. God is therefore the shepherd, both to the individual here in Psalm 23 and to his people as a whole. And because God is his shepherd, David concludes, I shall not want, I will lack nothing. And the parallelism in David's poetry builds on this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. A hint of God bringing his struggling wayward sheep back to himself, back to right paths. There is that idea of paths 
that we've come across before in our studies in Psalm 1 and 16, all which vindicate God's good name for his namesake. David's confession of faith is this, Yahweh is my shepherd. No other gods, and there were plenty of shepherd gods in his days. Shamash, the Mesopotamian sun god who was said to shepherd the people of the fertile crescent. Marduk, the Babylonian shepherd deity. No, David says, Yahweh, God alone, is my shepherd. I wonder, is my faith, or your faith, for that matter, so exclusive, so tenacious, that we can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. The second way David describes God is as guide in verse 4. Again, this is another familiar picture of God in the Bible. God as guide, directing, guiding his people, we think of this role at the time of Moses and Joshua, leading the people from Egypt, the land of slavery, to Israel, the land of promise. And God goes with his people, guiding them across Sinai. The symbolism of the cloudy, fiery pillar following them as their journey goes. This word picture of guide stands at the heart of Psalm 23. Notice, if you will, the subtle change in the pronoun used in verse 4 in contrast to the preceding verses. In verses 1 to 3, the psalmist refers to God in the third person. That is, he. He makes me. He leads me, and so forth. Whereas here, in verse 4, he uses the second person. Listen carefully. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. In the previous three verses, David addresses the reader, the listener, us, about the shepherd. But in verse 4, he turns from us, the reader or listener, and he speaks to the shepherd directly. This change in the parts of speech, from he to you, takes place not in grassy meadows, nor beside refreshing waters, but in a place of deep darkness, a shadowy, frightening, hostile place. The right paths can sometimes lead to pleasant places, or to fearful spaces. And as Derek Kidner points out, it is in those deep, dark, confining places that the shepherd is no longer ahead of his sheep, but beside them, guiding, protecting with club and staff. Verse 4 speaks in terms of the valley of the shadow of death. A phrase used some 20 times in the Old Testament. Various commentators suggest the emphasis in this phrase should be on the shadow. The deep darkness as the primary thought and death as the secondary thought. 
Whatever the case, the Lord's presence makes all the difference. He guides, he accompanies, he walks through the deep darkness that fall along life's journeys. And there's no reason to fear or to be afraid. The believer is not alone, not even in death. Only the Lord can lead a believer through death. All other guides have to turn back at the gates of death. The traveller must go through death alone. But the believer goes with the Lord beside him or her. Thirdly, in verses 5 and 6, the concluding verses, the image of guide gives way to that of host. We read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The biblical foundations for hospitality stretch back again to the book of beginnings, Genesis, to Abraham, who was an exemplar of hospitality. We read of that in Genesis 18. Hospitality was characteristic of nomadic people, people on the move, wandering with their flocks and herds. And even at the time of David, when the people of God were largely settled in the land of promise, hospitality was culturally important to them. For the people of God, the Lord was the perfect host, welcoming his people into his presence. You see, the God of the Bible is relational. God seeks relationships with those he creates. He calls his sheep his flock. So in verse 5, we've got hosting a lavish spread. Table is prepared. Cups overflow, implying abundance. A head is anointed with oil, speaking of consecration, a setting apart. It is as if David is saying, You have given me strength through anointing and confidence to defeat my enemies. Who, if you notice in verse 5, are actually sat at table? What are they doing there? John Goldingay sees a link between the protection afforded to God as guide in verse 4 and God as host in verse 5. In Yahweh, David is safe because of God's presence and strength in the dark place. And by God's presence and sustenance at the feast, even in a hostile environment, or as Kidner puts it, it is one thing to survive a threat in the dark valley, quite another to turn it into triumph in a celebratory feast. It's Alec Mateer who makes the fascinating suggestion that David had in mind an incident recorded in Sam in Second Samuel chapter 17 and verses 27 to 29. David had to flee from his son Absalom, who seized the throne in a coup d'etat. He crossed the River Jordan and was surprised to find three of his loyal supporters on a raft full of provisions for him 
and his royal entourage as they had to flee Jerusalem. Even though danger is always near and threatening, the Lord sustains David, whose enemies could not disturb his enjoyment of simply being in the presence of the Lord. To be God's guest is not just for a moment. It is, in the words of verse 6, to be at home in the Lord's house. That prospect is much better than a feast, not just an invited guest, for a time, for a day, but to live with the Lord all the days, or as the Jerusalem Bible translate, for all the days to come. And until the safe arrival at the Lord's house, goodness and mercy, God's faithful love, or as one commentator aptly puts it, the shepherd's two faithful sheepdogs named goodness and mercy will safely drive me home. What a lovely thought and prospect. Safe and secure. Home at last. In closing, Alec McTeer draws our attention to God, whom David has described in this psalm as shepherd, guide and host, is the same God who has been disclosed in Jesus Christ. All the images of God pictured in Psalm 23 connect with Jesus. and We see that in the New Testament. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, is the Good Shepherd, verse 11. The Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And no one can snatch his sheep out of his hand. Jesus, elsewhere in the New Testament, is described as the Great Shepherd of the sheep who the God of peace brought again from the dead. In the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 20. Peter also describes Jesus as the shepherd and overseer of souls in his first letter and also as the chief shepherd in his second letter. Jesus cares, feeds, seeks, restores and protects those who belong to him by faith. His flock, his sheep. Jesus is also the guide. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, he claims that he is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. John 14, verse 6. He is the only way, the only guide to the Father's house. The early followers of Jesus were described by their contemporaries as followers of the way, which we read in the Acts of the Apostles, the way, the guide. And Jesus in the Gospels is the consummate host who eats and drinks with his guests, who feeds multitudes with meagre resources, who welcomes his friends at table in the Passover meal who tells stories of great feasts and banquets. And then there is the vision of the marriage supper of the Lamb in the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 19. It's one thing to recognise who Jesus is. It's altogether different to acknowledge and trust him for who he is. The shepherd, the guide, the host, our Lord. Richard Burton was one of a long line of superb actors whose roots were in the Welsh Valleys, a 
around the once great coal mining and steel making town of Port Talbot. The twelfth of thirteen children born to a Welsh coal miner, Richard Jenkins, that was his name, his talent was his talent for acting was discovered and nurtured by his school teacher, Philip Burton, whose name he adopted. And so by the 1950s, he became one of the world's leading stage and screen actors. The man with a mellifluous baritone voice never forgot his humble roots in the Welsh Valleys. At one event to, us, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the local pastor's ordination, he was asked to recite the 23rd Psalm. He did so with aplomb, and his performance was greeted with rapturous applause. Burton then invited the beloved pastor to also to recite the same psalm, which was marked by tears by many in the hall. Addressing the audience, Richard Burton was reported as saying, Ladies and gentlemen, I received your praise, but the pastor here moved your hearts. I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. Knowing the shepherd makes all the difference. That's what Psalm 23 says.